0: Hi, I'm Gabriel Carrillo from the EdTechBytes podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are
1: individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education
0: podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. everyone and welcome to another episode of the reimagined schools podcast a proud member of the education podcast network i'm your host greg golins and my special guest this week is dr sonny magania a true pioneer in the field of educational technology research who continues to lead the charge for better classroom instruction across k-12 education dr Magagna is an oxford research scholar an award-winning educational leader, best-selling author, and accomplished musician who's a highly sought-after keynote speaker that specializes in technology and educational research. He's worked with everyone from Robert Marzano to John Hattie, and it was certainly a tremendous honor to spend some time with him here on the Reimagine Schools podcast. In this episode, we'll talk about his book, Disruptive Classroom Technologies, a Framework for Innovation and Education. And the book features his T3 framework for innovation that includes a hierarchy of three domains that are translational, transformational, and transcendent learning. Dr. Magana also dispels the myth about digital natives and shares the truth about the role that technology alone plays in academic achievement in our classrooms. You just might be surprised with his findings as Dr. Magana provides a better path in this episode to disrupt the Epidemic of low impact technologies in our schools. This was a good one, folks. So, if you have an interest in the implementation of tech tools in the classroom, then this episode's for you. So, be sure to share out with your fellow teachers and school administrators in your school district. As always, a big thank you to everyone out there that supports the show. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe wherever you find your favorite educational podcast. So, let's get things rolling in 2020. My conversation with Dr. Sonny Maganya begins right now hello again everyone and welcome to another episode of the reimagined schools podcast my special guest today is an award-winning teacher best-selling author and a true pioneer in the research of educational technology a big welcome to dr sonny Maganya. how are you sir i'm very well thanks rick thanks very much for having me on the show well, I'm thrilled to have you. Uh, you've been a pioneer in uh, technology research for a long time, and, and that's such an important component of uh, what we're doing in our schools and our classrooms across the country. Now, you're a former teacher. You served as a principal. Your life's work has really been about promoting innovation and education. So can you just kind of give us a rundown of what are the talking points for Dr. Sonny Magana?
1: Well, I think the first thing is that, The work that I've done and the books that I've published and uh, the research that I continue to pursue is really based on a premise that an overarching purpose of education is to prepare students for their future, not their education systems past. And that's not trivial, because I think what we have is um, a situation where we've taken a 19th century pedagogical model. Uh, let's call it the tell-in-practice model, because it's a model where teachers tell students what to memorize, students dutifully memorize it, at least the ones that are successful will dutifully memorize it, and then regurgitate what they memorized on some summative assessment without going into depth of understanding, conceptual learning, or transferring that knowledge. So we have a system that's focused on memorizing old knowledge, and all we've done is added technology to a fundamentally outdated system. And the results are, are dismal. So th- here's, a, here's a, a, an image. I'm going to give a little metaphor. We've taken a 19th century donut and sprinkled 21st century frosting on it. That's all we've done. So if you scrape away all the technology, all the, all the gee whiz gizmos, what have you got? you got a stale donut. So my message is, look, we need... To be creative and bake a better donut. It's not about the technology. It's it's not even about the pedagogy so much. It's about the learning that happens. So that's really an, a, a key to to my research. That's a keystone of my research.
0: You know, obviously, technology has changed the world we live in. Uh, you know, we have all the information we need in the palm of our hand, and, and I think there's this really this this perception in education circles that technology in the classroom uh, is responsible for tremendous gains in academic achievement, but uh, you have a a different story to tell with your research and I would love to hear about that.
1: Yeah. I mean, everybody's entitled to their own opinions, but they're not entitled to their own facts. And so a lot of people that that make the circuit of uh, education shows are, have a conflict of interest because they represent some big tech company or some organization that is focused on selling technology into education. So my first caveat for your listeners is beware of geeks bearing gifts. Beware of geeks bearing gifts because people will try to sell education on the promise that technology by itself will lead to transformational things or simply using technology is inherently transformational. It is not, it never has been, it never will be. If I'm a crappy guitarist and I get a bitchin' Marshall Stack amp, I'm going to be a crappy guitarist, but I'm going to be louder. <laughs> so, you know, you just add technology to, to practice that isn't effective, you're not going to get that much. So the, the reality is uh, the preponderance of evidence shows that the average impact of technology has been dismally low for far too long. And I work with, I uh, have the great honor of working with John Hattie, who allowed me to publish some of his findings on his latest meta-analysis on technology in uh, a research study uh, that I uh, uh, wrote and, and uh, it's now published in the Oxford Research Encyclopedia. So let me tell you what he said. He he uses effect size as the most effective measure to determine what has a positive influence on technology. The, The average effect size of all the influences that Hattie studied is an effect size of 0.4. And everybody in education needs to be literate on effect size and research basis, I think, because education is a profession. It's not a club. We can't just do whatever. We have to really look at the the research and high reliability influences. The average effect of all the influences that Hattie studied is 0.4. The average effect of technology is after over 10,000 meta-analyses that he did with millions of students, the average impact of computers and technology in education is 0.34, which is well below what could be considered acceptable or desirable. That's the reality. It has 0.34 as actually, if you think of it, that is a deleterious effect on student learning. It has not moved the needle forward. And here's the kicker. The impact of technology, the average effect of technology, 0.34, hasn't changed in 50 years. So since Neil Armstrong set foot on the lunar landscape in the cold, dark vacuum of space, the impact of technology on student learning and achievement has been 0.34. And what I endeavor is to shift the narrative away from those who have hijacked our profession and selling us on the idea that technology is inherently positive, it will bring about transformation just by its very presence. We need to shift that narrative and disrupt the epidemic of low impact technologies in our schools. I sound like I'm, I'm this is like fire and brimstone, isn't it? <laughs>
0: it's, it's good stuff. It really is. Uh, and Sonny has a, it's the a, truth. It's the a, truth. A, yeah. And you have a wonderful book out. The name of the book is disruptive classroom technologies, a framework for innovation and in education. And I certainly want to go through the T3 framework because it's vital for uh, all educators to really have an understanding of how we can improve in the classroom. But before we get there, uh, you know, I had Mark Prinsky on the podcast not too long ago and, and Mark uh, coined the term digital native uh, several years ago. And I also think there's this misconception because we have uh, these Gen Z students in the classroom, these digital natives that a lot of this technology learning is going to take care uh, of itself. But we've also learned that that's not the case.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I like Mark Prensky. I, I met him several years ago with our a mutual friend, Ellen of Ember House. but here's the kicker. Prensky's wrong. Prensky's wrong. His fundamental premise that digital learners learn differently because they have access to digital tools is not supported by any research. It, it's, it's opinion. It's personal opinion. So if you think about, you know, categories of reliability, personal opinion is the lowest level of reliability because one person's opinion is just as good or bad as someone else's. So I'm afraid that the myth of the digital native has done a lot of damage to the overall psyche of education and the impact of technology on student achievement because it's focused on, on, a, on a false premise that kids growing up in a digital world learn differently and all we have to do is sit them in front of an iPad or a computer or a terminal and transformational learning will happen automatically. There is zero evidence that indicates that that is the truth. What students need is guidance. They need facilitation. They need the uh, experience of a well-trained uh, leader, a well-trained teacher who understands the process of learning and knows that simply Access to technology will not bring about transformational learning. In fact, the research does quite the opposite. Now I'll cite the work, the wonderful work by uh, Professor uh, Angela McFarlane uh, at the University of Bristol and Queen's College in, in the UK, uh, and her research, meta-analysis, found that when left to their own devices, student use of technology is banal and trivial. That completely contradicts Prensky's myth of the digital native. And when you look at kids using technology, they're going to play games, they're going to listen to music, they're going to put rabbit ears on their faces, they're going to take pictures. It's banal and it's trivial when left to their own devices. Kids need scaffolds, they need guidance, they need teachers. So, and I love Mark; he's a nice guy, but he's he's uh, forwarding a misconception that I think has dangerous ramifications um, for for education. We have to we have to reject. What doesn't work, we have to reject claims that are unsupported by research. And on that, I'm very passionate.
0: (laughs) So let's jump into the book a little bit. Uh, You created the T3 framework, uh, and the three T's are translational, transformational, and transcendent. So just give me a a little bit of background on uh, writing the book and really what your goal was.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I I realized that... uh, I've been at this for a long time. I've been I've been researching the impact of technology in education since nineteen eighty-three. So there are very few people who, who are still alive <laughs> and still, you know, functioning. But I've been doing it that long. I was very young when I started. Uh, and um, I I learned that uh, people have a bias about technology, you know, and, and the general bias was a value positive bias. people pe- with people that labor under the value positive bias believe that simply adding technology will inherently uh, be transformational and lead to positive gains. There are those people that have a value negative bias and think the technology in and of itself will harm learning and harm teaching. I reject both of those perspectives as incorrect. We need to set our odometer to neutral, (laughs) have a neutral perspective, because the value of technology isn't in the fact that it exists. The real value in terms of student learning and achievement comes when, as a function of how that technology is used and by whom, not if it's used, but how. And that's a really reasonable perspective, I think. Anybody could argue um, otherwise, but they would be, you know, arguing fruitlessly. When left to their own devices, kids' use of technology is trivial. When students have some clear guidance and their learning process is scaffolded, through effective pedagogical techniques and learning strategies, then their learning is accelerated. So I wrote this book to disrupt the narrative that technology in and of itself is great and everybody should should use it because we just haven't had a return on investment. I want to focus on the most important part of the teaching and learning cycle, which is the learner and the learning. And so the T3 framework isn't a simple technology integration framework it is a learning framework. It's a guide for students to learn how to learn in a digital age, to learn the strategies that help them learn at the three phases of learning. When they're at the surface level, that's just the beginning of a learning journey, when you're learning the basic facts and the basic details, academic vocabulary. The deeper learning, when students are generating inferences, analogies, metaphors, deepening their understanding, look at similarities and differences, and really uh, consolidating their surface knowledge by acquiring deep knowledge. But then there's another stage where they have to engage in knowledge transfer and actually use the knowledge that they've um, uh, consolidated deeply, or they've acquired deeply, and use it and apply it in some context. So it's that, those three things, surface learning, deeper learning, and knowledge transfer, that were in my mind when I developed the T3 Framer. And as you say, there's three domains of learning, translational learning, transforma- translational, transformational, and transcendent. Um, and there's a little story behind that, that as you saw, you know, I'm a musician, right? You saw my guitars on the wall. Yeah. So there's, there's, there's a rock and roll story behind this. Awesome. <laughs> when I, uh, and it's about learning. You know, it's really, we should be focusing on the learner and the learning. Uh, so when I was a kid, I was 14 years old and I, I taught myself how to play guitar and, uh, I would just play the songs that I heard on the radio and I heard, uh, you know, the Beatles and, uh, Rolling Stones and country, Western America, This is 1970s, 75, 76 and I, Country Roads, you know, that, that great song, Country Roads, it's very simple. I was learning open chords, I was learning open G, C, D, E minor every now and then. And uh, I was really happy with translating the songs that I heard from the radio onto my six-string guitar, and I'd play around a campfire and made a lot of friends and learned how to learn basic open chords, learn how to learn to play the guitar, and then I heard Eddie Van Halen. Game Van changer. One <laughs> just disrupted my world. It was a disor- It was what uh, the great uh, researcher and um, um, philosopher Kurt Lewin calls a disorienting dilemma. <laughs> you know, I heard eruption, which if anybody's listening, put on eruption. It's 90 seconds that will change your life. If you're a musician, like I, I it. I was so blown away by what Eddie was able to do with this technology uh, called the electric guitar. I couldn't go back to country roads. I couldn't go back to doing the same old things that I was doing before. I had to learn differently. So he, I heard him on a, a radio station give a an interview and he said look if you're the kind of kid sitting around the campfire playing guitar keep doing that because that's good for you. but know that you're in a stage and if you want to get better you got to go through another stage which every great guitarist goes through he said i call that the chuck berry phase every great guitarist has got to learn to rock out like chuck learn all those wonderful rock and roll riffs just the the hooks, the solos, transpose them different keys, start rocking out your songs. Every great guitarist goes through that stage where they're transforming their musicianship to get to the final stage where they're transcending what's known and creating their own unique music that's based on their own voice and choice. And so he gave me a framework to think about my guitar playing. I thought, you know, frameworks really help us. Frameworks help us make sense of complex phenomena, help us generate meaning. So the T3 framework is is really rooted in rock and roll. (laughs) Because, you know, if we're translational, we're just using technology to translate from analog to digital. It's kind of like playing country roads over and over again, metaphorically. It's good, but if you want to get better, know that, that that's a stage you got to go through another stage that I call transformational technologies. And that's when you start rocking out and, and, and shift the locus of control to students. Not, you don't let them you know, run freely. And as, you know, as Mark would, would have people do, just have kids get in front of a computer and, and interact. It's, it's much more than that. It, there has to be uh, real guidance and scaffolding to that process. And that's transformational. You have to go through that stage before you get to the transcendent stage, and that's when kids are using technologies to solve, to identify, investigate, and hypothesize solutions to wicked problems that matter to them.
0: Well, you know it's a good episode whenever you have a Van Halen reference. Um, <laughs> I, I, there was something on the news just here recently. One of, one of today's current pop stars was talking about the fact that they'd never heard of Van Halen, and I thought, you've, huh. got, you've got to be kidding me. It's uh, classic. Yeah, classic cl- rock. Classic rock. rock. Yeah and so um,
1: you know uh, and really if you think about it what Eddie was able to do was he was a tinkerer he made his guitar he he didn't just use an off the shelf guitar he fundamentally changed the electronics of his frankencaster it was a stratocaster with a uh, with telecaster uh pickups and i think a a gibson headstock. I mean, he just, he just took all these pieces together and created something that no one else had. That's transcendent. When you create something, do something that no one has ever done before, you're really surmounting the limits of what's known. We can do that with educational technology. So now let's just think about the teaching, the, the learning side for a moment. When a child is more involved in planning for their learning, tracking and monitoring their effort, their progress, and their feelings during the three learning stages of surface, deep, and knowledge transfer. And then create representations of their knowledge gain using digital tools that are open-ended, but guided so that they represent what they know and what they can do using digital tools. That's transformational because the child is now his or her own teacher. And that, so the first Element in the transformational domain of the T3 framework, I call production. And so there are strategies that are very easy to understand. The first is that students produce a personal mastery goal. Kids do that all the time. Kids set their own mastery goals where they're playing games or learning how to skateboard or learning how to play guitar. So incorporate that into your instructional day. Have kids create their own personal mastery goals. And then the second thing is have kids monitor and track what I call the three currencies of mastery. They have to monitor and track their effort. How much effort are they willingly investing in the learning? And keep track of it using technology. I have a series of tools that I give away to folks to help kids do this, to track their effort, track their progress, and then track their feelings as they move through the three stages of learning, surface, deep, and knowledge transfer. Because surface learning, kids are used to it. It's, it's pretty, they're going to be pretty neutral. They'll be maybe on a scale of one to three of awesomeness, three being totally awesome two being moderately awesome, one being not awesome at all. When kids are at surface learning, they're probably about a two. When they go to deeper learning, their feelings are going to slide towards the negative. They're going to get frustrated. They're going to get challenged. They're going to want to give up. They're going to get tired. They're going to get grumpy. They have to persevere through that deeper learning in order to get to the other side of the uh, of learning knowledge transfer. And that's when there's a real thrill, a joy of learning when kids are able to take what they learn, transfer it in some new context, and see the impact of that knowledge transfer. So their feelings are going to to look like a roller coaster. It's going to be neutral, then low, and then high again. And they have to learn to persevere. That's critical, uh, helping kids understand how they learn best. And kids also need to know which strategies work best for them at the translational, the surface, the transformational, the deep, and the transcendent, uh, the application or knowledge transfer phase. That changes everything. That changes everything.
0: And, and, you know, I think we can agree on the fact that technology has not only been a game changer for learning, but it's also changed the teaching paradigm. The role of the teacher has to change. And my guess is uh, there's probably a – a large majority of classrooms around the country that are still in that translational mode, which is low impact, just Mm -hmm. consuming information. What do we have to do to see a shift so those folks can kind of move to the next level into transformational and transcendent learning?
1: Trust in the kids, trust in in the learner's capacity to learn together. See, the other thing that we need to recognize is that learning is a team sport. John Dewey taught us nearly 100 years ago that learning is a participatory sport. You got to participate. You got to be in the game. You got to be active. You can't be passive on the sidelines. But it's also a team sport. So when a classroom is learning together and everyone in the classroom is invested in the well being and mastery of everyone in the classroom, that changes the classroom to a more contributive place. So imagine, imagine a classroom where teachers no longer have to give out punishments and rewards because the class is self-regulating by design. You no longer have to worry about classroom management because the classroom is invested in the self-regulation of the classroom. That's a learned skill. Imagine a classroom where kids are no longer competing for the few A's at the front of the bell curve, but rather they're contributing, where everyone is contributing to the learning of everyone else. That's the second element of the transformational domain that I call contribution, where students generate promises and commitments that uh, organize the classroom um, behavior. And they learn to self regulate individually and collectively. And then they produce tutorials that teach someone what they now know. So when child uses something like Flipgrid or WeVideo or Screencastify or Screencastomatic or any of a number of tools to create a tutorial, That's so much more powerful than simply consuming someone else's tutorial. So the child becomes the teacher. The child teaches someone else what they now know. And that's knowledge transfer that will deeply uh, consolidate their deeper learning. And it's joyous. So that's the the element of transformation or the element of contribution guides uh, teachers and whole systems to move towards more contributive learning. And that's transformational.
0: The name of the book again is Disruptive Classroom Technologies, a Framework for Innovation and in Education. You can get that wherever books are sold. You also want to follow Sonny on Twitter at Sonny Magana. And check out the website, MaganaEducation.com. Dr. Maganya does a lot of consulting work, so you can reach out to him. Uh, maybe you want to have him come and speak at your education conference or at your school. So as we kind of uh, – you know, keep moving through this, the, the three frameworks. One of the things you talk about that I absolutely love and I get excited about is you talk about solving wicked problems, and you, you hit on that a little bit. Can you dive a little deeper into what that means to you?
1: Sure. Uh, you know, the, the purpose of education is to help kids master current learning and also masterfully address future learning. Now, the strategies in the T2 domain, the transformational domain, have an effect size of 1.6. That was Peer-reviewed, the research is now in the Oxford Research Encyclopedia for Education. It is powerful and it's credible. And effect size 1.6 is equivalent to quadrupling student learning. I'm going to say that again: quadrupling student learning and achievement. T3 is the only conceptual model that exists in that rarefied space of peer review, uh, and it's, the findings have been, been replicated. So, if you engage in those T, T2 strategies. Uh, and you can say you only double academic achievement. That means you're going to have more time in your instructional day to do things. Because a way of looking at doubling achievement, it'll take a student half as much time to master content. So what are you going to do with the time you get back? And that's when I suggest have kids use uh, technology to identify a wicked problem that matters to them. And I I, uh, teach using the uh, Sustainable Development Goals, the SDGs from the United Nations, because those are 17 domains of wicked problems from life on land, life below water, ending gender inequality, high quality education, ending poverty. These are these are critical issues, uh, ending uh, uh, disruptive global climate change. Kids need to learn to identify uh, what are called wicked problems that are important, that are intractable, and as yet unresolved. And then use technologies to generate a a unique line of inquiry to raise awareness of the problem and develop solutions to that problem in an iterative fashion. And that belongs in the category I call transcendent technology use, or transcendent learning, because kids are using digital tools to fundamentally make the world a better place by solving wicked problems that matter to them. And for most folks that do project-based learning, the teachers give students projects to do. The teachers give students problems to solve. In the model that I suggest, have the students do it. Have the students identify what matters to them and then apply their learning to solve those problems to make the world a better place. Then they see their education not as an end to itself, but as a means to an end. This is moonshot thinking. This is, this is fundamentally moonshot thinking, and we can do it. We put a man on the moon 50 years ago, and it took eight years from concept to realization. I am giving everybody a, a challenge, the T3 challenge, to double academic achievement, to double learning in your classroom by working less and teaching better and allow students to identify struggle with, wrestle with, hypothesize solutions to wicked problems that matter to them. And that satisfies what I think is the the purpose of education is to help kids master current knowledge first, and then masterfully address future learning problems.
0: Well, it's been a fascinating conversation, and I can't thank you enough for your time. Uh, Before I let you go, I do want to let you have a closing thought. I've heard you refer to the T3 framework as the rocket ship, and you just you just referenced moonshot thinking. So, what advice do you have with folks listening out there that uh, maybe are ready to dive in and to uh, create more transformational, transcendent classrooms?
1: And the first thing is uh, become aware of what's possible. And just like Eddie Van Halen gave me a framework to help improve my musicianship, the T three framework will help improve your instructional life by uh, learning how to transfer. the the cognitive load on the students, but take one step at a time. Don't feel that you have to get to the transcendent phase right away. Take your time. If you're not using technology very well or you're not using it at all, move from T0 to T1. That's significant. If If you've never played guitar before and you've just been playing country roads, that's a big shift. That's a big change. Do one thing at a time, but know that there's a pathway and take your time, evaluate your progress. And if you work with me, you get lifetime tech support.
0: (laughs) That is a wonderful perk right there. Lifetime tech support. (laughs) I I might take you up on that myself. Um, The book again is Disruptive Classroom Technology, a Framework for Innovation and Education. Be sure to get the book again, wherever books are sold. The T3 framework is a game changer, folks. So Sonny, I can't thank you enough. And I hope you have a wonderful holiday.
1: It's my pleasure, Greg. Thank you very much for having me. And the same two
0: So that's a wrap, folks, on another episode of the Reimagined Schools podcast. Once again, a big thank you to Dr. Sonny Magania, one of the really good guys out there in the uh, ed tech space. So you want to follow Sonny on Twitter. Uh, follow him at Sonny Maganya. You also want to check out the website, maganyaeducation.com. You can also search on Twitter by hashtag T3Chat and T3 Framework are both great resources to help you uh, improve your classroom technology instruction there in your school. So just a super conversation, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And as always, folks, as we wrap it up, remember, we're here for one reason and one reason only each time on the Reimagine Schools podcast, and that is to create better schools for kids.